courage is knowing what not to fear. Plato. Gather around, children. Gather around. Welcome to The Renaissance Life, a podcast dedicated to excellence, mastery, and a life of meaning and worth. I am your podcaster in crime, Josh Wagner. Welcome to the show. That's at WiggityWags on Twitter, W-I-G-G-I-D-D-Y-S, and at Renaissance Man Life on Instagram. Welcome. Welcome to episode number seven. RL number 7007, Ben Schnell, web developer extraordinaire. This episode is brought to you by you guys. Go to patreon.com slash ohmyjosh, O-H-M-Y-J-O-S-H, ohmyjosh, ohmyjosh. Go to patreon.com slash ohmyjosh, and there, for as little as $3 a month, you can become an enthusiast of the Renaissance life. Not only does that help me... Uh, do this podcast, do the blog, um, and has spend more time doing these things. But it also gives you a virtual high five in terms of a shout outs on the show and shout outs on the blog. Um, that's the enthusiast level. You can also go up from there, including an apprentice of where you get exclusive content exclusively on Patreon. So check that out if you're interested. Also use our affiliate links on the site and in the show notes below for uh, that kind of support as well. I appreciate you. Thank you. Now, this is an interview episode. I've been wanting to do one of these for uh, an embarrassing amount of time, just like I wanted to do this podcast for an embarrassing amount of time. Maybe not that long, but um, I've been wanting to jump into interviews. Haven't quite, hadn't quite got the nerve up to do it, but now I officially did. And it was, you know, it wasn't, um, it was fine. You know, it was it was a blast doing it. Um, I, of course, I was nervous at the beginning, and I'm sure I will vastly improve uh, as I go forward in these. Um, but you know, it was it was really fun, and Ben really enjoyed it too. A um, couple things: the audio was like, eh, it's okay, it's okay, it could be better. My my mic was loud, and his was a little soft, so gonna watch out for that next time. But um, overall, it was very. It's a very great. Um, great episode. I listened to it myself. Um, lots of insights from Ben. Um, hope you enjoy his main foray craft is web developer. Um, but what he says and especially what he says later on in the episode is applicable to a wide array of business topics and of life in general. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, here is Ben Schnell. Uh, web developer extraordinaire. Hope you enjoy. All right, Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. Like I said earlier, this is first interview, so got the butterflies and stuff going, you know? Good. Okay. <laughs> Always fun. Uh, so if you're, if you're ever at a networking event or something like that, how do you answer the question, what do you do? I usually say uh, I'm a freelance web developer, mm -hmm. and then I follow it up with I make websites, which is kind of lame because it's kind of obvious, but I'm afraid that people <laughs> aren't going to know what a web developer is. Really? Yeah, and I think everyone knows that what that is. But I, sometimes old people will be like, what, is, what does web developer mean? So uh, I just yeah, sort of true. like um, overcompensated and hoping that people... So I, in other words, I should probably clean up my uh, networking, what do I do, answer a little bit. So Man, that sounds, that sounds great because I have no idea what I say. Okay. Like, <laughs> do I say web developer? Do I say like copywriter or designer? I, I'm just all over the place. Yeah. So I'm usually like... Yeah, I code. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's good. I mean, Which would you try something... conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Well, would you try something corny like I'm the Swiss Army knife of marketing? Ooh, that's good. 
I like it. Just yeah. brainstorming. That's a fun idea. That's good. And for yourself or for me? For you. I mean, you do everything. I mean, you do all the things. So I try to. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, tell me about your journey into coding, Absolutely. to web, web dev. Yeah. So I was working as a technical recruiter at Lamppost Group, okay. a venture capitalist firm in Chattanooga. What did that look like day to day? Yeah. So it started out, I was doing, I was a project manager for all sorts of different experiments that they were running around uh, millennial recruitment. Okay. So basically the idea was how do we get millennials excited about working at our startups and how do we attract them to Chattanooga? And so there were several experiments and one of them was an apprenticeship program that I proposed. The apprenticeship was basically, um, would it be equally expensive or cheaper to train someone to code rather than um, hiring from out of state and bringing them to Chattanooga? Like which Interesting. Yeah, what's the better? Because sometimes it would take months or even years to hire certain positions, yeah. especially if they were hard to find in coding. And so we thought, well, why don't we take it from both angles? We'll, we'll try to um, hire from outside and also maybe try to train up within it, w from within. So we did an apprenticeship program. We had four developers, and um, we basically had a mentor teaching them to code. That was one of the experiments I was doing. That's really fascinating. I've I've thought a lot about this, like... I wonder, I was thinking about like companies should do that as opposed to people prep for even perhaps people going to school, you know, like yeah. uh, what's a better way to learning on the job, right? So how, how did it go, the experiment? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing about it is that the, you know, schools in the, in the area or just schools in general, regular undergrads don't generally teach the type of coding that startups generally need. So even, you know, students graduating weren't really available talent for us. So it went pretty well. Our standard of success was 50% uh, of, the, of the students or apprentices hired on to um, portfolio companies, and two of the four were hired on. So that was, um, I guess, marked as a success. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot that we learned um, from the process, and I think they actually didn't do that experiment again. Some of it was due to staff changes and things like that, but I still okay. believe that the model uh, is good. Yeah. And there's other places that have proved it out. We c we're kind of following a model in St. Louis, um, where they do, uh, it's a private company that does this, and they have uh, companies that are signed on to mm -hmm. hire people and they, when they come out of the program. So we kind of modeled it after them, and I, yeah, I, I think it's a good um, method. But back to your original question of how I got into coding, that was sort of my f early learning of how, uh, you know, people can teach themselves um, coding. I really learned that there's so many resources out there. And specifically, the library here in Chattanooga has a curriculum called Treehouse. I've played around with Treehouse. Yeah. yeah. So I've almost learned exclusively everything I know a lot, pretty much from Treehouse. Oh, which that's is good great. Or bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's good because it covers a lot of the basics for front end web development. Mm -hmm. It's bad because it doesn't super go really deep. <laughs> so there's a lot of things I'm missing that I would get maybe from a more traditional computer science program. Uh, maybe basics of programming, et cetera. That in other words, there's a lot. I've, I've talked to a lot of hiring managers in the coding area, and if someone has learned, you know, pretty much everything from Treehouse, Treehouse, that's kind of a red flag for hire hiring managers in the area at startups. So it's worked really well for me as a freelance web developer, building out uh, like uh, brochure type marketing websites sure. for small businesses and, and nonprofits or individuals. Um, but I need to do something else as far as my future coding learning to really push deeper into the stack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My thing is like, I, I'm actually on the opposite end. So I went to, I, I got computer science degree, right? And um, we learned like theory and stuff, but not a lot of practical things. I mean, we used Java, but, you know, definitely not web stuff, definitely not um, iOS, Android, like Swift, like all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of funny hearing you say like the opposite thing where you, you use Treehouse, but it only got you so far. Would you recommend something like that as a beginner or, um, you know, yeah, absolutely. someone I just mean, starting out? Luckily for me, Treehouse was absolutely free, you know, from the library. Yeah. So it could take a big risk on it and like spend a lot of time with it. Um, but, um, and it, you know, comes down to learning styles. But for me, um, it was a really great learning style for me mm -hmm. to get really up and running with, um, basic HTML, CSS, and I've been working a lot in JavaScript too, but I'm still, I would say, a beginner in uh, JavaScript, but I feel really strong with HTML, CSS, which, you know, it's all about supply and demand too. So this is a little bit of a tangent, but uh, in Chattanooga, web development 
um, especially entry level web development is more in demand than probably your average city, I would guess. Um, you know, there's a lot of students who come out with those kind of basic skills and more in Boston or San Francisco and different places. Sure. But in Chattanooga, they have some really great agencies here. But um, as far as uh, entry level web development, there's not a lot of people who do that um, as a service. And so I think a treehouse education was sufficient for me to get started as a freelance web developer and make decent money. But that may or may not be the case in all cities across the U.S. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh, did you did you do this while you were working at Lampost or yes, like on I the did. side? I, it was kind of interesting. I, I, I really enjoyed um, learning it, and I had a really specific plan for myself for, for Treehouse. So it was, it was while I was at Lampost Group, so I was working a full-time job. But my strategy was that I would spend a minimum of five minutes a day learning coding. Okay. And five minutes is not sufficient amount of time <laughs> <laughs> to learn anything. But the thing that I found and but why... But it's five minutes, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's better than nothing. Yeah. Well, what actually happened, why the strategy, I think, worked is because I would end up spending 30 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. But if I had said, if I'd committed to spending 30 minutes to an hour of a day, uh, every day coding um, or learning coding, it wouldn't have panned out. It would have been too ambitious. I would have been like, I can't do 30 minutes. But what I would do is like five minutes sounded reasonable to me. Um, so it was basically just tricking myself into get started every day and I would often spend 30 minutes to an hour a day. And so it was that's just great. Sort of, yeah. yeah. That was like the trick I played on myself. If I just do, and some days I just did five minutes and left. Yeah. And so those days I didn't learn anything and I was a, you know, a wash, but the, the strategy of like making it a reasonable, easy, reachable goal uh, worked for me to spend a lot of time learning coding. So that's, that's fantastic. Any like, uh, barriers while you were going through this, like, so, you know, I started out with at least web, web uh, style. I started out with HTML and CSS. Any barriers, like, from learning the particular things? Like, this is a new skill set, right? You hadn't had uh, coding experience before this? That's correct. Yeah, I mean, all the way through, there's just the barriers of, like, the frustration of how do I get the website to do what I'm thinking in my mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, when anyone's new to CSS, especially, I think HTML is more straightforward, but for me, CSS, especially, um, when you know that you can make the computer do a certain thing, but you can't figure out the right code, it's frustrating. The barrier yeah. which is sort of like, you know, keep Googling and per perseverance. I was really lucky in the sense that um, at Lamppost Group, I was learning while I was at work to answer your other question. And I, um, had, there were several websites that little, really little small landing pages that I needed for recruiting purposes. Um, because my job kind of transformed a little more into like more traditional recruiting where I was just like emailing people and making sure. phone calls and setting up interviews and just trying to find developer talent. And it was really helpful in that process to make really nice looking landing pages for the job pages that, you know, could increase the search ranking for those pages and increase the likelihood that someone would click on apply. And, and so I built a lot of those landing pages while I was learning coding and that was a really great way for me to practice. But the barriers were just, yeah, I mean, just sort of, you have an idea in your mind and then actually making that work. And it was lucky that early on um, I was, I could just kind of change the project based on what I understood how to do. Okay. Which is kind of a unique opportunity. I think it's really great for learning because generally what's happening in HTML, CSS and JavaScript is people are handing you a comprehensive layout, uh, a, a Photoshop or a sketch file. And sure. you're meant to uh, create that in a, on a website format, um, mobile responsive and pixel perfect. And that's, that's a very important skill. But uh, if you're just learning, you can't do that right out of the box. I mean, you may can Google around a lot and you can figure it out and, and uh, make it work eventually, but it can be extremely frustrating and some people give up um, in that process. For me, since it was uh, my landing pages for my recruiting gigs, I could sort of like, I don't really know how to make it look like how I wanna look, so I'll make it look like something else. And so I had a lot of flexibility with that, which was good in the sense that I, allowed me to just sort of like do what I learned and then learn more and, and, and not get too frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. I, I, I see it as like uh web dev as like a good learning environment. Cause it's instant feedback, you know? Yeah. I, it is like you're learning lots of pieces like HTML, CSS, uh, JavaScript, so many languages, right. To wrap your head around. But at the same time you see what you're making instantly, mm -hmm. which is, I think is great learning environment. You know? Yeah, it's working or it's not working. It's yeah, yeah, black yeah. Or white. yeah. Which is frustrating. Right, <laughs> yeah. And it's the same as everybody will tell you. You know, you just have to make projects, and that's how you learn the, the most. I think what I found with people who are learning 
web development is that they get overwhelmed with their because there's so much to learn. A lot of people who set out to learn it on their own just give up because it takes so long. And what I found is, at least on the, the front end of the stack, the, the stuff I'm learning isn't very complicated at all. There's just so much to learn. Mm -hmm. And that's the difficult part about it is just that there's there's always more to learn. There's so, 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 so much to learn. But each individual piece to lear of learning it, it's, it's quite straightforward. It's just the amount of it. I think pushing deeper into the stack in the back end, it's a lot more complicated. It's like higher level math and um, and it's it actually genuinely complicated each piece along the way yeah. more so. But on the front end, it's it's really easy. It's just, there's just so much. That's mm -hmm. the difficulty. Yeah. Um, so what would you tell somebody who is, they've been coding for a little while, right? Um, but they want to get, they want to improve their skills um, and they just can't, quite get to the point where they're making great things you know does that does that make sense like yeah. th they're like on a ledge of like okay i've learned the basics now what what would you say to somebody like that yeah i mean it's easier said than done but sure. i think that <laughs> the biggest thing is to find projects that you're passionate about that you're interested in making and build them for yourself um you know little projects that uh would be useful to other people but that would be first of all, useful to you, the coder, the person learning. So I'm kind of in a, that place really that you're describing. And one of the things I'm working on is a productivity tool. I mean, there's millions of those out there, but I'd like to learn more JavaScript. Um, and so one of the things projects I'm working on along those lines to help me increase my JavaScript skills is sort of a meta uh, productivity tool. So I find myself um, recording tasks and things I'm supposed to do in all sorts of different formats. Mm -hmm. I use Google Docs to just journal when I need like to f uh, just like a big open document to just write all my thoughts out of okay. just journaling. Yeah. And then I use Trello for like following tasks through um, uh, from start to finish. And then I use uh, Taskade, which is like a, a simple to-do list thing for like just keeping track of like stuff I'm supposed to do. And so I have all these different tools and I'm trying to build like one that kind of has all those different things in sort of one place. Oh, nice. That's interesting. I'm sure that exists somewhere. I haven't really looked a lot, but um, <laughs> this I'm building is a fun it. project. Yeah, regardless. exactly. I'm building yeah. it because and I want to integrate my uh, Google calendar and I'm building it, building, building it because it'd be helpful to me and uh, maybe others too, but I definitely push my JavaScript skills forward also. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, do you have any, uh, speaking of productivity tools, do you have any tools or like apps you use on the, d on the daily basis to Yeah, I mentioned uh, that Taskade um, app. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool, taskade.com. It's basically just lists um, and you can indent them. Um, I wish you could reorder them. You can't reorder, so that's a big uh, failing of this app. But I like it because it also has a browser extension, one of those things where if you open a new tab, it automatically can open up to that. Oh, nice. To your, to your list, which I like. And then you can also, kind of like Google Docs, you can share those lists. So you can share them as view only or you can share them as edit. So y you can send lists to a team and everyone can add list items to it or delete nice. list items and you can check them off and different stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many list things out there, but I like that one. And mm -hmm. then for freelance, Trello is really great for me uh, for freelance work because I keep all my clients in the, in the Trello board. And what I do is I have clients I'm trying to land on the far left and then I have clients I've landed, but I'm waiting to start their project um, just to the right of that. So I have all of my boards sort of, uh, or my lists moving to the right, and I'm trying to move the clients along. So then after uh, they're getting, uh, after I've landed them, but waiting to start, there's a start, you know, I'm work currently working on the, this client's project, and then I'm like uh, final touches and then finished. So the goal is to okay. try to move everything left to right. Yeah. And what it's helpful with is just uh, my engagement because uh, it helps me just keep score on how everyone's doing and how everyone's progressing and, th and just like reaching that goal of moving them to done is such a reward emotionally that um, it really it helps me keep everything moving along. Let me ask you about freelancing itself. Like uh, where did you, how did you get your first client first of all? And then how are you continuously uh, getting more clients, you know, a steady stream of clients for your, <laughs> for your business? Yeah. So um, I've been uh, extremely lucky. I've had more work than my skills really probably uh, are worth. Um, I think it also relates to how much the market is so in demand. But my first client was actually the employer that I left. So Lampost Group had me do a couple of projects immediately when I quit over there. Um, so I have a good relationship. And so that was really nice. I immediately had clients with them. And then um, early out of college, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. 
So I took a lot of jobs for a year and a half or so in a lot of different industries, which was bad for my career. But you was think so? Well, it was bad in the sense that I've always been told, you know, you should stick with something, you know. So maybe it wasn't bad because it was really good for freelance. Because what it did is it had all these connections in completely different industries, and they all needed websites, it seems. Right. And so for that, for freelance, it was really great. Yeah. Um, switching jobs <laughs> all the time was really great because the different industries especially because um, these were circles that weren't connected at all. And so there was just completely separate circles of, of lots of work that needed to get done as far as web development. So that was really great. And I also was extremely lucky to get picked up on a what was meant to be a temporary project for Mass General Hospital in Boston. They were doing a big redesign and needed front-end developers to s sort of um, just really bang out a lot of home pages for them really quick into their CMS. And uh, that's turned into a year and a half long retainer client that I'm so oh happy wow, nice. with. That's great. So that was, uh, that's really sort of paid the bills while I've uh, picked up other small clients. So that was, uh, that was really great to work out too. And that was just right when I went freelance, they just was about the same time they happened to be looking for people. So that worked out really well. That's fantastic. Um, but then the other part of your question, how do you keep clients coming? Cause yeah, the, yeah. the, uh, the mass gen project is great, but it's not, a, it doesn't cover everything. So what I think it's really tough. I've been sort of learning a lot about this recently, uh, as far as balancing, balancing my schedule for networking and then actually doing the work because uh, there's two extremes that are easy to get into. One is to just spend all of your time coding in a basement somewhere and never <laughs> see anybody. And that's good for one in the one. In your underwear. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> With your dog next <laughs> to you, whatever. The advantages are you can really focus on projects and you can get a lot done and you can really uh, increase your skills a lot. Like there's a lot of advantages to the sort of like hideaway and just code all day type mm -hmm. of perspective. But then a lot of people who are in that place who I know really have a hard time landing new clients or finding new work and, um, and so the other extreme is spending all of your time networking and that's really easy to do where you're basically out at events meeting people and then you're just trying to code like between networking events or late at night or like whenever you get a second and uh, that has advantages too because you're always got work I mean you just like know a ton of people you've got interesting projects yeah but it's it really hard to like actually do the work and make sure that you're doing the work at a level where the clients are happy with it because it's you know you're actually focusing on it and uh yeah, it's a time trade-off really yeah know, yeah so i've been really learning a lot actually since the beginning of 2017 about sort of balancing those two sides of it um so i spend currently my schedule is i spend every day nine to noon um billing hours for clients so just at my house not taking uh phone calls not answering email from clients or anything just billing hours on the clients that i have and like really focusing on them and making sure that i'm turning in work to them that I'm proud of and that they're that they're uh, satisfied with and mm -hmm. that would give me a good review for. And then afternoons and evenings, I'm spending uh, replying to email, um, going to some networking events, um, following up with, you know, leads that came through and uh, maybe billing some more hours if, if I have the time. It's just sort of like it's a lot more of a free-for-all. And on top of that, I'm just not going to just any networking event that happens to come across my schedule because it can get just so overwhelming we're always going to networking events so what's really worked out for me is having a healthy diet of networking events that i'm committed oh, okay. to so i'll do like three networking events a week in the evening um and i'll if i have the time available i'll go to random ones that come up that look interesting but, um, but mostly like specific ones you're going to correct yeah. Yeah. yeah specific ones that i like that um that are likely to have clients to come out of um but it's also the the attitude that I bring to the networking events that I think is really important. So um, a lot of people I've talked to who do freelance like really hope that if they spend their time at a networking event that they're going to get a client out of it or they feel like it's not worth it. And you've probably experienced this. I feel like the best way to spend your time at a networking event is just try to get to know people and not try to sell your work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You just sort of like know, get to know names, get to know their families, get to know people as well as you can, and uh, the work will come. It doesn't come right away. Um, I mean, I've had work come out of the first time I show up to a freelance event. That's not uncommon. But I think it's really important not to have expectations that every time I go to a networking event, I'm going to get work out of it. I think the, the correct expectation, the healthy expectation, the best for your business in the long run is just to try to get to know people, to listen to people, to listen to what they do, um, and, and try to contribute in some way, of, uh, maybe offering um, 
connections that you may mm -hmm. have just basically trying to contribute as yeah. a part of as opposed to trying to take i think it's a very much like a gary vaynerchuk sort of approach yeah i take right. a similar approach of like how can i help this person yeah i'm talking to you know that exactly. kind of thing um yeah right and most of the time i probably won't get something right on the spot you know but like you said earlier everyone kind of needs a website nowadays yeah. <laughs> you know so <laughs> eventually right. they come to you yeah uh yeah exactly and then uh what what science has shown about it or what surveys and things have shown is that your best like most likely clients and most most of your work is going to come from like uh third and fourth degree connections you know mm -hmm. people who are friends of friends like the people you see at the networking event every week have probably already given you all the work that they're going to give you or already have somebody but they're going to know somebody who needs help and it's sort of like always third and fourth degree that yeah that need the help so. yeah sidebar by the way uh, have you tried asana it's a project management Thing. I've been on it with a client before, and I liked it, but I haven't yeah. I haven't really checked Just it curious. out, so I haven't really given it its full uh, opportunity, but yeah. yeah. I've been testing with Renaissance, so like cool. blog posts, podcasting, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what do you like yeah. about it? Um, it has, they just came out with boards, so it has Trello-style nice. boards, um, but it also has list, uh, list as well, but um, you can also set dates and uh, assign people to certain tasks nice so it's kind of across the board pretty nice yeah. yeah that sounds great i think i was using it for a minute with a client and then i want to i like trellis boards but now that they have boards i think that that could be a better solution for me cool well let's uh switch gears completely and just go to like some personal or philosophical questions sure. um, so what are the best lessons your mom and dad have taught you or siblings yeah so it's interesting um my dad uh, had a very hard childhood. His dad mm. was uh, spent a lot of time. He, his his dad was abusive and uh, mm. and spent a lot of time sort of like his, his, my dad spent a lot of time sort of trying to like walk on eggshells around him and that whole uh, deal. So my dad wasn't like that, which I'm really thankful for. But he didn't have a great example for parenthood. So he did a really great job as a parent, but. Um, it was stuff he was figuring out mm -hmm. on the fly. Um, and so I really admire him for sort of stepping away from how he was raised. But at the same time, some of those aspects came through. Um, and to be fair to my dad, he was great. But there was some of the, like, so actually it was really beneficial, though, in the sense that my dad was always having us help him with chores, which is normal. But he had us help him with chores in a way that was, like, kind of military style i felt like oh, really what how how so <laughs> yeah so i was like trying to have a hard time explaining i don't think i've really talked about this with a lot of people but um basically uh if we weren't very attentive and uh ready to run go for whatever sort of things he needed while he was working on projects so for example maybe like a carpentry project he would need tools or something and as little kids you know it would be natural for little kids to dawdle and like look through the tools for a long time and like play with stuff or whatever and bring the hammer back whenever we sort of thought of it but um as little kids are apt to do but um that you know didn't fly at all so it was always like bring the bring the hammer now bring it as fast as possible and we was already sort of mad at us if we didn't already sort of anticipate oh i see what he would need next like a do it and now mentality yeah, right, yeah yeah absolutely and that was actually super helpful because as i became as i got older i really enjoy like customer service and other things and i think i developed a skill sort of walking on eggshells a little bit, not to the degree that my dad had to, but in the sense of like trying not to get yelled at, um, trying to anticipate, trying to, um, even though that wasn't the most healthy dynamic and my dad would agree with that now, um, at the time, it, I mean, it did develop skills in me that were for like customer service and um, just interacting with people, sort of being able to anticipate mm -hmm. what people need next and, and, and have sort of quick responses. And I really enjoy sort of like impressing people or awing them with uh with just sort of understanding before they even have vocalized something what yeah yeah what they may be needing and uh, that worked really well when i was like working at a coffee shop and things like that and, and uh, some of it is like codependence as well which is not healthy but the healthy parts of it also apply to like web development that i really love working with a client to make sure that they get everything that they want and i really enjoy actually teaching a client sort of how to use a cms tool like wordpress or something that i've built for them and sort of in, on top of, you know, doing code, having really strong customer service skills was something that uh, I feel like I learned really well. And I and I credit my dad for being that balance of sort of like, yeah, being uh, disciplined with us, but also def definitely never any clo anything close to abuse like he experienced. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, but that was a valuable learning experience. That's wonderful. 
That's great. Um, what's your, uh, do you have a favorite travel experience? Yeah. So this is a sort of reason that people should consider going freelance in your audience. Mm -hmm. Um, last summer, my wife and I did a four month road trip around the United States, um, while I was working. So that was really fun. (laughs) We bought an RV, we bought a 25 foot motorhome, and we put my Honda scooter on the back of it and we went to all the national parks we wanted to and basically spent four months driving around the country. And my wife, uh, who's a small petite lady, uh, was driving the big RV while I was making websites in the passenger seat. Um, oh, that's right. That's great. <laughs> which was really fun. Yeah. And she hadn't been to a lot of places out west. So that was really good. And, and that was one of the reasons that I went freelance was to have the opportunity to have more flexibility like that. Mm-hmm. And we're actually expecting our first in a less than a month. Oh, congrats. Good. Yeah. But, um, that's exciting. And terrifying yeah right exactly (laughs) but taking that trip was sort of like the big you know freelance you know travel america trip road trip before we were planning to have kids so Mm -hmm. that worked out but that was a really fun experience that's awesome i visiting all the national parks is on my bucket list yeah 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 there's so many gorgeous places in the united states my wife and i want to do international travel too and i'm sure we will at some point but there's even so much to do in the states it's it's really hard to choose yeah have you been outside the country before i have yeah i've been to uh europe and South America and Africa and oh India nice. and different places, but um, always sh- kind of short trips, a mm-hmm. um, couple weeks here and there. Um, so my wife and I would like to maybe do a year in Thailand or something. Um, I, I so went last year did with you? some friends. It was it was fun. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, what would you do there? So, uh, such good food. A yeah. Lots of, like, uh, water activities, you know, boating and uh, snorkeling and all that. Um, mostly just island hopping. Nice. Though. So it was, it was fun. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, definitely recommend it. So, um, what are some decisions you've made that have made you into who you are today? It's it's not a easy question to answer, but yeah, no, there, there's definitely some decisions I've made. So, um, I mean, one of the biggest decisions I made was leaving, uh, being a pastor Oh. So yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't know you were a pastor. No. I was a pastor at one point. Yeah. Wow. Um, I did my undergrad in theology, and uh, oh, that's fascinating. That. That's that's great. Yeah, and I went to Maine uh, to be a pastor for a year and a half. Um, probably the most difficult experience in my life. Um, one of the things I didn't understand about myself at the time was how much I really need to be in community around mm-hmm. people that are friends of mine and everything. And I went to Maine and was sort of felt isolated and i i'm one that i can get uh lonely easily and that's sort of my whole experience of that job which is kind of interesting like being a pastor you think you'd be around people all the time and i was and yet um anyway it was also a lot of isolation and uh and on top of that i was really questioning sort of everything that i believed i was already questioning that while i was in college and i thought i would just try i mean i'd been on the path to be a pastor ever since i was like in middle school Mm. so um it was kind of difficult to make the transition and what I realized is that um, the denomination that I was pastoring in is very very specific about the beliefs that they have and very um, biblical uh, literalists and it's relevant to a lot of people and so I think it's I don't have bitterness but for me as most millennials I um, see a lot of value in a lot of different perspectives and religions and um, I realized that through through that experience that I find so much value in um, Buddhism and uh, other non-Christian viewpoints, even Islam and its origins, I think had a lot of really, really great ideas and still has some really beautiful expressions um, today. And so... Um, Would you consider yourself as a Christian or... That's hard for me to answer yeah. that question because yeah. I, I, I'm probably not... I probably don't have enough of the boxes checked to uh, that most Christians wouldn't yeah, think that but I was a Christian. <laughs> who's making these boxes? <laughs> right, yeah. who's making the boxes, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Spirituality and religion are still extremely important to me, but um, not in the same way. I have a lot of uh, empathy for different perspectives. I actually think atheism is a really valid perspective. I think it's healthy for the world. At the very least, I, I mean, atheists probably wouldn't disagree with this, but at the very least, atheism is extremely viable as a reaction to um, overzealous perspectives of or like hmm. atheism is a good check on rampant religion because <laughs> i do sure. think that you know the, a lot of claims of atheism about uh, christianity and other religions being sources of conflict in the world and sources of 
our biggest risk for you know human survival. I think that they, in my opinion, I think they can exaggerate those points, but I think there's a lot of validity to them as well. So when I meet atheists, I really enjoy talking to them and really feel it, and I don't have any sort of <coughs> sense of need to try to change their perspective. I think they have, a, even though I believe in God, I, I think they have a lot of um, really helpful uh, perspectives. And so anyway, all of those ideas weren't really um, palatable in, in the, that uh, particular denomination. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you moved to Maine and like knew no one. I didn't know. Did you know your wife at the time or? No, okay. no. I met her after I came back and didn't know anybody really there. I knew some people <clears throat> and I'm just one of those people that like, um, I guess I'm more of on the extreme side of, uh, uh, extroversion. I really could be happy being around people a hundred percent of the time. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, and kind of need to be around people like <clears throat> at least 70 to, you know, present a time or something. So I'm like uh, an outgoing introvert, I would <laughs> say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you, en you enjoy being around people and you are good at being around people, but then you need like time. I to need like some, recover. I need some quiet time, yeah. some, some time alone in the corner. Yes. Sure, valid. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Um, so I guess th that didn't really completely answer your question. The question, the answer really is that uh, choosing to go back for my master's in business mm -hmm. and then focusing on, you know, web development as something I could do freelance um, were sort of all the decisions I've made sort of after, because I was always planning to be a pastor, and so it was a big sort of crisis of uh, career and everything and when, I, and when yeah. I left that. Yeah. And so, but I think that uh, freelance web development has been a really great uh, response to that. So. Uh, have you noticed any, like, uh, crossover, like your theology uh, practice and understanding kind of blending into your freelance work? Somewhat, all? yeah, yeah, somewhat. So I'm really interested in the uh, the religious nature of the internet. Um, mm. I think there's a there's some really powerful uh, ways that the internet affects uh, culture that I think relate to spirituality. So I think at the very least, um, the internet is as big of a game changer for religion as the printing press was. So in um, explain that a little bit. I like yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. So um, in the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation was a huge world-changing event. Basically, Catholicism was the only, really only mainstream Christian expression for thousands of years. And uh, the, the there's been a lot of reformers before the actual Reformation um, took hold. And, and basically, all of Europe, uh, a lot of Europe became, uh, you know, part of the Protestant movement and Christi within Christianity, and especially in Germany and other places. Anyway... One of the things that really pushed it forward at that time where it was unsuccessful before was the uh, wide accessibility of reading materials in your own language. Um, the Bible in people's own language or just, and basically what the idea was that when people were able to read stuff in their own language and uh, literacy went dramatically up and the printing press made it possible that books could be disseminated much more widely than before. And what happens any time that there's a lot more information being spread out than there was before is that there's always a huge questioning of authority. Because w the Catholic Church at that time especially really built up on the f idea that like the priests know, the, the bishops know because they're educated and you know they, they'll, they'll curate the answers. All and the answers their word is law, essentially. And their word is law. Yeah. So there was, yeah, the overlap between, yeah, the spiritual authority and the, the temporal authority. Mm -hmm. And access to knowledge uh, worldwide which was pushed pushed forward by the printing press was a huge um, counterbalance to that sort of power that they just said assume that we know and even though that you know in information has been widely disseminated since then I think the internet even more so has caused a huge revolution in, in spirituality along the same lines you have you know even in small villages um, in in the Middle East uh, people would have to just sort of abide by whatever their Islamic teachers we're saying, but now they can find teachers anywhere in the world uh, via the internet that may have different perspectives. And right. so the dem democratization of sort of perspective in all cultures has been, you know, very much pushed through by the internet. And I think it really has caused our generation to question everything more so than even previous generations uh, because we can, you know, if pastor or any authority figure in the government or, or, or spirituality or wherever says, gives, you know, a, a certain thing that they want us to believe is true. We can find a counter argument to that within 30 minutes or less, you know, by just Googling something. So I think and that really it's makes it's, it's hard to tame that too, yeah. you know? <laughs> right. 
it, that's just going to spread like even yeah. somewhere in like china where they have like limitations of what websites you can visit it's still you can find ways around that if you're smart enough right so you're right that it is a it is very fascinating yeah and it was actually interesting i was listening to this american life this week and they were talking about how in russia um the young people who are a lot more apt to spend time on the internet as opposed to watching state-sponsored TV are questioning a lot more things than their parents tended to about Russia's policies, like with Crimea um, taking over part of Ukraine. They're saying, you know, the, the, the sanctions against us are because of our fault, whereas their parents' generations tend to think that the West is against them and, and, and tend to believe state-sponsored ideas more than the young people who have access to the internet. So that was a recent story on This American Life. It's kind of the same concept, but with them, it's very fascinating. I'll have to go check it out. I haven't listened to it. It's good. Uh, so what, another c complete segue, what songs do you sing when you're, uh, when you're alone? So I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge Coldplay fan. Uh, oh, nice. I'm kind of a... Old Coldplay or new Coldplay? I mean both, both? but especially okay. the older Coldplay. Yeah. And my wife makes fun of me because, like, I haven't really progressed in my music knowledge and choices <laughs> since, uh, since I was in college and afterwards when Coldplay was really big. So I'm, I'm not up on all the latest, uh, the latest artists and tunes, so I'm kind of, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll jam out to some Coldplay all day. So nice. Any particular song or? Yeah, um, uh, the scientist is. Scientist is, is good. Uh, good. Fix one. you is obviously classic. I love that one. Yeah. Um, I like the like the names, um, really short ones like uh, death and all his friends mm. and those like like just thirty second like clips of just like ah oh, that was fantastic you know. Yeah. yeah. And I've really uh, liked their uh, music videos. Um, yeah, they're really good. They have like a puppet show one for, I forgot which, it's for, I forgot the name of the song, but anyway. Yeah, I can't think of it, yeah. It's, anyway, it's really incredible, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if you could have a dinner party with anyone in the world or in history, who would you invite? Classic question. Yeah, that's great. Um, man. tough dinner party with anyone in the world i hope i'm invited yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah i mean uh i'll give some cliche answers but i think gandhi would be really amazing um you know martin luther king jr had people like gandhi as mentors for like a nonviolent third way uh, for dealing with political crisis or otherwise and uh i don't know whose mentors Gandhi was. I mean, I think he was a real innovator, you know, and like, how did he? That's a great question. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure he had influences, but uh, he really pioneered nonviolent yeah. protests as far as I understand it in modern times. And, uh, and that's fascinating. And I'm sure it had uh, something to do with his Hindu roots and connections. Um, but, you know, it's been proven time and time again that actually nonviolence uh, for certain circumstances, I'm sure, but, um, Nonviolence is often way more effective mm -hmm. in accomplishing goals than um, than armed conflict, and uh, yeah, and I think that's I think he's really pioneer, and I'd love to talk about how he sort of came up with those concepts originally. Uh, similar to that, this question and it might help as like who inspires you and like why why do they inspire? So Gandhi definitely inspires you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I like this author Rob Bell. Um, I don't think I've read any of Rob. Yeah, so he was uh, he was an evangelical pastor okay. um, who wrote a book called Love Wins. Yes, yes. And it was basically kind of saying he didn't really believe in hell or he didn't believe in a traditional Christian idea of hell, and so that was very uh, controversial, and he sort of was um, s suddenly disregarded by a ton of evangelical-type people that he had been tight with, which I think he was fine with and knew was coming. Um, and now... Uh, still a spiritual teacher, but uh, has, you know, offers a lot of um, ideas from a lot of different perspectives and, and finds validity in, similar to my journey, um, finds a lot of validity in different perspectives, so. Yeah. Anyone, anyone else? Yeah. Um, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. um, same, same. Um, So Anyone in your own life, like any mentors or people like that? So um, some people in Chattanooga may know Andrew Keene. I think he pronounces the last name Kane. 
Um, he's uh, He was in charge of uh, Rock City for a long time, and then uh, we worked in the city government. Um, actually, haven't been connected to him for a little while, but he's an amazing uh, business person in town here who also has a great perspective on uh, social justice and issues facing the city, and uh, he's been a mentor to me as well. That's great. What, what have you learned from Andrew? Um, so several things. He was the first one to get me connected onto uh, the Lean Business. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot the name of the book. I think it's called The Lean Startup. The Lean Startup, yeah. Exactly. That was just a revolutionary way to understand business for me. Um, maybe even more revolutionary than things I learned in my MBA program, as, as helpful as some of those things were. But... Um, yeah, just sort of identifying target markets and early adopters and, um, and you know, sh runway and all those type of concepts. Um, but also talking through those concepts. I mean, obvi obviously that's Ash, I can't pronounce his last name, but the author. Um, that's all of his concepts, but um, Andrew helped me walk through some specific examples of how that would be applied um, in business. And uh, so that was a revolutionary understanding for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So uh, what advice would you give someone pursuing creative work? So I recently picked up um, The Artist's Way. Yes. Julia Cameron. It. I have it on my to-read shelf. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure that's a very big shelf. Uh, a lot of important stuff out there. But specifically, uh, Julia Cameron's book is for anyone who feels uh, sort of like writer's block or you know, any type of being stuck and whatever, even if you're not a writer, isn't it not only for writers, any type of feeling stuck, like I, I don't feel creative or I can't express my creativity that I do feel. Um, she has, and it's a lot of people have read it or have practiced it, it's extremely well known, but, excuse me, it's a very um, practical book of sort of like getting unstuck. So anyone who's doing creative work and feels like they're not expressing all their creativity or, uh, you know, feels like they could go further, I would recommend that process. It's a book, but it's also a whole process of sort of how to reclaim. Uh, and it's uh, spirituality and and art, but it's not, um, I, mean, I think atheists or agnostics would feel really comfortable with it. She doesn't have an agenda for how you view God, but she definitely sees artistic and creative expression as a spiritual mm. aspect of our being and, and how to really coax that and and bring out our best expression creatively. So Man, I definitely really need awesome. to pick that one up and actually open it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh what's uh what's something challenging you faced recently um and how have you like overcome that or are trying to overcome it yeah absolutely so um man freelance is a two-edged sword as you've probably experienced <laughs> yes it uh, is so it's wonderful it's the freedom it's the you know discretionary time all the things that i wanted to do um why i wanted to do freelance have been come true but also the downside of freelance is, um, you know, the ability to work just all the time and overwork. And I got to a point where my job felt like a chore. And um, I love building websites. I love code. I love the creativity. I love working with beautiful assets um, and images. And I love everything about it. But I got to a point where I was just like every day, every moment, all my work felt like a chore. And I was mm -hmm. trying to figure out why that was. And um, I heard a, a talk by owner of a coffee roasting company here in town, Velo Coffee, um, Andrew Gage, he was saying, I went, uh, I started my own business because I wanted freedom and I wanted the ability to take a month off every year and uh, spend time with my, you know, that's how he viewed success was like sort of flexibility and freedom and um, not necessarily making a ton of money. I mean, that's great, but like the, this, the definitions of, of success was, f you know, yeah, flexibility and freedom. And then he was like, and then I was just working so much, I felt like a slave and I was just like, what happened? And I was like, at the time he was talking, I was feeling the same. And I realized that uh, I really needed to slow down. I was taking on like six clients at a time, which had a lot of problems. Basically, I was uh, turning in work to them that was kind of B-level work. They were, they were happy mm -hmm. with it, but I could have done better. And um, and so through that experience, I, real, I realized that um, I needed to take on like no more than two clients at a time. And part of the reason that I was taking on so many clients is what I call, quote, the panic. And the panic, the panic, <laughs> the panic is is a very can be a very nearby companion for freelancers. The panic is if I don't keep up my work, if I don't have a lot of work, then my wife's going to make me get a real job. If if clients don't come through, I'm going to you know not have any money. Or right. And yeah. The panic is 
is a close companion. But I've experienced panic. Right? <laughs> but the panic fun. is the panic lies. The panic, the messages the panic gives is counterproductive. Um, and I was totally listening. I guess the answer to the question, that like, what has been my difficulty? I was totally a, a disciple of the panic mm. for a while. Even though I had en- enough clients, I was just like always feeling like I always had to book more. Always had to book more. I had to book more. And um, the panic was telling me to uh, just way overwork and I wasn't enjoying work. And, and also the, the really big kicker that I didn't realize is that I didn't have margins for creativity. So I wanted to do really creative work, but in order to do creative work, I had to have margins, some time where I'm sitting doing nothing, some margins where I'm just spending time with friends, um, mm-hmm. stuff that I could seem like laziness, but what is actually just margins to give your space, mind space to like come up with really interesting solutions. So I think like what, what for me doesn't qualify as margins is like spending time watching dumb YouTube videos or like okay. playing video games or sure. like stuff where like I'm just distracted uh, from my everyday life. Like that to me doesn't count as like real rejuvenating time, but like reading books, um, spending time with friends who, uh, who get it. Yeah. I, I wrote something similar to this recently of like, um, mindless ta- mindless uh activities versus mindful activities mm-hmm. like mindful Absolutely. activities will uh feel and make you feel energized and versus mindless activities like uh video games and stuff like that where which aren't necessarily bad it's just no. um they just consume your time that you would have to do something you know good yeah Recreation is extremely important for our minds and, and things sure. like that. For me, there's certain ones that uh, help me make me more creative, and video games for me personally isn't one of them. Okay. I could see for like a video game designer or different people that sure, could, yeah. could totally be, but for me, I don't come up with good ideas while I'm playing video games <laughs> or watching YouTube videos or watching TV, for mm-hmm. example, or watching movies. Like I come up with good ideas generally when I'm reading, when I'm running, when I'm spending time with friends who are you know smart and, and yeah. that thing. You know, like those are the type of things where I walk away and I go ah, that's the thing, you know, that's going to change everything. You know, those are the type of things. And anyway, so with listening to the panic, I didn't leave myself any margin. And so I was turning in B-level work because, um, because I was just trying to get, just trying to check off the, t- the yeah, turn out some stuff, right. You know. And I'm not actually doing stuff that like is really creative. So that what's really cool about not listening to the panic and taking two clients at a time, the risk of like the, what the panic says to taking on only two clients at the time is you're going to run out of work. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to that space is scary, right? You know? But now I've learned just this year to look forward to that time between clients because in the short term it may represent less money than listening to the the panic, but in the long term or even medium term, I think it's much more sustainable even financially because if I can take that time between clients to build stuff that uh, I think is really important and I think is really cool, that kind of can maybe even things that you I love and things that I love yeah. that I can post on social media that kind of can blow minds. Then over the longer term, uh, I'm getting better reviews from my clients. They're happier with my work. And when I don't have clients, I'm building a portfolio that's really impressive. Um, and I think that part of it is really important. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. So I've learned to look forward to those times when I don't have any clients and yeah. let that build up a lot of like pressure creatively that when I do have the next client, I can really just knock it out of the park. And I wasn't knocking stuff out of the park. And listening to panic would never let me knock any projects mm-hmm. out of the park. Um, so that's been a problem that I had. I was totally a s- disciple of the panic, and now uh, I've been really intentional about um, taking my work at a at a healthy pace, and that's been that's made all the difference. I've gotten into the situation in the past of like feeling like I should be working, even if I'm like doing something semi productive, like reading or writing or something. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, I should I should be uh, you know working, uh, making some money, doing something uh productive but really it's just like it's all mindful activity that's good for you and that's helps you do better work you know would you yeah. agree with that absolutely i mean there's still times where i'm like tempted to slack you know of course, like yeah. slacking <laughs> is still part of it and like balancing what is like rejuvenation and what mm-hmm. is slacking and uh that that line can be sort of hard mm-hmm. to but for me um if i'm billing the hours d- during the time i've dedicated to billing and then i'm spending time th- the the point is you have to schedule out uh, in my opinion, you have to schedule out time for, for doing creative tasks, for writing, for reading, and like actually make it a part of your week. Not just like, oh, good, I have some downtime, I'll read. It's like scheduling out time for rejuvenation, and uh, that can help define what is lacking and what is rejuvenating. Right, because usually w- if you have downtime like that, like, oh, good, I'll just uh, 
guess I'll take a nap or <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Watch Netflix. Yeah. And I think that's a helpful point that there's, uh, you know, the, the temptation to like go fall asleep or something is really strong. And I think that, uh, when you say like, oh, I'm not listening to the panic anymore, I can make it sound like I'm just going through my day, just like head in the clouds, like, but it's still very disciplined. It's still very scheduled. Sure. It's just, uh, scheduling in times where I'm doing stuff that I genuinely just would do for fun. And you, and you're not being controlled by the fear of the panic. That's right. The, that's the key point. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. So would you, uh, would you say flexibility and having that space, it would be your definition of success? It is for me. Absolutely. Um, you know, if I'm my, my personal mission statement, uh, as corny as that idea might be is, uh, love and provide for my family, um, belong to a community and champion a cause. So, um, if I don't, if I'm listening to the panic, I don't have any time for mm -hmm. like really loving my family well, really like connecting to a community and really championing a cause I feel like is important. So for me, success is is paying the bills enough, but also having the time to to do stuff I feel like is really important and connect with people who I right. really want to connect with. So, so if somebody gave you ten million dollars, what would you do? Man, I'd retire immediately. Retire. <laughs> if someone gave me seven hundred fifty dollar thousand dollars, I'd retire. <laughs> Same. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like connect with community I, I enjoy would you still work, be web designing I'm, yeah oh, absolutely in but retirement, i would be making yeah. projects that uh, that know, you love and that you just yeah they probably wouldn't make fun. any money yeah, yeah for sure i'd <laughs> okay. definitely still be doing web development but, but i probably wouldn't uh, take on clients where would you retire to i'd probably stay here yeah i like chattanooga a lot i do too I would probably except for the pollen like yeah. dying recently <laughs> that one. yeah i mean I, d I do think that it's important to like I hope to get to a place where my retirement doesn't look very much different from my regular life. Same. I'm pretty close, right? Um, there's maybe some clients I wouldn't take on or like, you know, some work I wouldn't do, but it, I think it's important to try to find a life where they're, they're really not that very, very much differently. Because if you're living your life in so, so differently than you would if you were retired, then you're probably just killing yourself and something you shouldn't be doing. Right. Any uh, impactful books, documentaries, podcasts you've checked out recently? Um... Yeah, so the podcast count. Yeah, yeah. So podcast. Tim Ferriss interview with Mr. Money Mustache. So good, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was a life. That guy is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I'd never understood the concept that he teaches in that podcast of like, you need twenty five times your yearly expenses. I didn't know that either. Retired. Yeah. That blew my mind. Yeah. That's a much more manageable amount than I than I was aware of before, and really helped change my understanding of quote retirement like basically Tim Ferriss may have contributed this idea too but basically retirement is like when you're doing what you want to do and it made me realize like uh, I and I've always kind of felt this way but it really crystallized it for me in that podcast is like I don't want to spend my entire life working for a life that I can live when I'm 60 and like killing myself until then and then and then you know, like having the life I want to live then like uh, Mr. Money much has helped me realize that, like he's still making money even though he's technically retired because he saved 25 times his annual expenses whatever so he doesn't have to work but then his his blog is so um successful that if he didn't have any money at all that would be that would pay the bills and he said 95 percent of people who retire still make money um mm -hmm. doing the thing that they love doing and that really changed my perspective that along the way even no one tells you that really right i know yeah exactly when you think of retirement you think of just going laying somewhere and dying right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But if you're doing what you love, you're retired all, all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's as is a great episode. Any other podcasts? Um Tim Ferriss show is a great one. It's great. great. One. Yeah. Rob Bell has a podcast. I actually haven't listened to an episode yet, but I'm really excited. I picked up from your Monday motivation email a podcast about uh e commerce, I think, or online businesses in general. Yeah, Internet Business Mastery. Internet yeah. business mastery. So I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm actually have it loaded up and I'm it's excited a great one. to check it out. Because yeah. I, I think that is the key, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you can always sell something online, then you're you're chilling. You know, you always have passive income. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Sounds Check out uh, Smart Passive Income too okay. by Pat Flynn. That's another good one like that. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if there were five skills you could master instantly, what would they be? So uh, one, of the first one would be like really intense, like uh, some sort of backend coding, maybe, okay. uh, maybe uh, like database stuff or like. Yeah, like maybe data, like data analytics. Uh, Probably database stuff. If I could like, uh, yeah, write any sort of app, um, online app, you know, like web application, that, you know, front end and back end, that'd be awesome. And I have the front end, so I just need to add the, some back end language. Probably, 
Node or uh, sure, or Python or something. But um, so that would be one. Okay. Um, I think surfing would be awesome. Oh, nice! If I could just like know how to surf right away. The biggest issue is there's no ocean here. Yeah, I would true. say valid. I've run into this. Run into this problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, I'd love to learn how to surf. Yeah, it seems like people have really amazing time with that. Um, let's see, there's been some other skills that I've been interested in learning. Um, Those are two good ones. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, that was a real fail compared to five. <laughs> five two, is a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> I just think about it a lot, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to brainstorm that. It's a good question. Um. All right, we're running at uh, an hour now, so I, I don't want to take any more of your time. But uh, was there any questions you wish I asked you, or um, no? I think you I want to talk to express about? what was on my mind. I think uh, if I had anyone that wanted anyone to take away something specific, it would be uh, first of all, freelance is awesome. Find a way to work freelance if you can, if you if you like the idea of working for yourself. But then B, uh, if you are working freelance or you're considering it, uh, really watch out for the panic, um, and don't listen to the panic, and build a schedule that. Uh, both pays the bills, but also gives you margin for creativity. That's sort of been my big lesson from being a freelancer for a year and a half. So I'm still relatively new to it, but that's sort of been a huge game changer way to think about it. For yeah, me, so. that's wonderful. Thanks for your time, Ben. Absolutely. Thank you. And of course, I'll have everything in the show notes and such. So uh, sure. Yeah. And feel free to edit out any bullshit that I, you know, said <laughs> along the way that you feel like is just completely unhelpful and, <laughs> and I won't mind. Never. It's all in. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Thank you. All right, we laughed, we cried, tears came out of my face. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram at Renaissance Man Life, on Twitter at Wiggity Wags, and uh, also check out Patreon, patreon.com slash ohmyjosh there to donate. Uh, a little could go a long way. It means so much to me. Thank you for your time and for your generous donation. Um, Anything else? Oh, sign up for the newsletter, uh, Monday Motivation and Best You 365. Go to rml.today slash join for that. Uh, there you'll get some recommends, some music recommends, a quote, uh, books, documentaries, that kind of stuff, and also insights into becoming your best self. Thanks. Right, uh, say something. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. One, two, three, four. Check, check. Check, check, check. Check, check, check. Check. What was the last uh, movie you saw? The last movie I saw was The Golden Painting or something? Golden Lady or something? I was with my parents, so they, it was like a... The Golden Lady. <laughs> 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 it's a true story of uh, Austrian ladies art being restored after the uh nazi stole in world war ii oh like nice 1990s or early 2000s or something like that she finally got like 1.8 million dollar painting back or something that's that's awesome i've i've never heard of it it was, yeah. It was pretty good. yeah it's one of those like non-fiction or sort of like based on true story ones that's like kind of inspiring but kind of a little bit boring mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, I'm, I'm glad i watched it but it wasn't like my favorite I went to see a movie with my dad that was like that. Uh, it had George Clooney in it. Okay. Uh, Minutemen or something Monuments like that. Monuments Men? Oh, that yeah, movie yeah. was terrible. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like that story in real life was boring, like much less. <laughs> 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 hey, we should make this into a movie.
where you it's called secret table beat of the week okay where you just bang on the table nice would you like to do a group yeah absolutely table beat (laughs) i might need both hands though yeah yeah, let's do it so just just lay down a fat beat yeah, so secret table beat of the week. Stay with my friend. All right. <laughs> yeah. I am so white. <laughs>